you're going to have to answer to yourself eventually. And it's, and if you're able to be honest and be of integrity with yourself, it's going to naturally spill out with happiness and joy. And if you're not able to, and you continue to lie to yourself, you're going to be miserable in my experience. I have fear in my life like anyone else. I have the need to be right, offended, separate, guilty, anxious, frustrated, inferior, superior, separate, all of these different anxieties I have every day and I'm practicing to end them and to go back to center into my most productive, accessible, and gracious mindset. I've just increased my own inner value. I've increased my certainty. I've increased my influence. I've increased my contribution on the back end as a new message I get to share and a new teaching I get to teach. It's just so much in there that we get to unpack. Uh, you know, I guess you would, you would say confident because I know I'm going to stick to a game plan. I know my team believe in me. I believe in myself. And I know I'm going to do what, what we think is going to get me that win. So that's why I'm so confident. I know I'm going to go and do what needs to be done. And I don't care what it is. Every storm ends at some point. Every rain stops at some point. The sun always comes up every morning. We just remember that this too will pass. We can do it. I met with Mark Devine, a Navy SEAL, uh, a couple of years ago, and he his philosophy was one day, one lifetime. And that's literally what it is right now. And if you start with gratitude and say, hey, we are here today, Let's make the best out of it. I think that's a very good place to start. And when, when this creeps into your mind, just go into action. I know a lot of people, most people are at home right now and they're not able to even go out. But like I have a stack of books that I haven't had time to read. I ha- there's so much you can do instead of worrying, right? So there's, they're saying, are you a warrior or your warrior? But how, how do we get there? Like what, what else, what else do we, what else do you do on a, on a daily basis or I mean, hour by hour, because you, all of a sudden you feel good. And then there's a fire. Like, what do you do on those small moments? Well, you've already said it, right? It's being in action, doing the right next right indicated action and staying out of the results. If I, if I shared my screen with you, you would see that on my schedule, it is completely full, right? My mentor, Tom Ferry, wrote a great book called Life by Design. And basically, if there's any, if you open up your calendar right now, right, how much white space, how much blank space will you see in your calendar, right? And if that's a majority of your calendar, what he coaches is you're living a life by default, whatever's coming at you. And right now, What's coming at you is a ton of negativity. Whereas if you look at my calendar, it's completely planned. So I don't have time to think negative, right? It's one thing after another, after another, after another. I'm meeting, you know, scheduling Zoom calls with clients. I'm scheduling Zoom calls with my team. I'm on uh, webinars learning about, you know, what's going on in the real estate market. I'm, you know, constantly in action. And if I'm constantly in action, I don't have time for the fear to creep in. And then, Peter, it's like, it's like working out, right? How do you feel when you get your ass out of bed and you go to the gym and work, you know, really work out for an hour, right? The endorphins are going and it's pumping. You feel good about yourself yeah. versus how do you feel 
when you hit the snooze button and when you hit the snooze button, what you're really doing is hitting snooze on your life, skip the gym and then wake up. Right. They're two totally different mentalities and you feel totally different about yourself. And if you suit up and you show up and you take action and you go to the gym on your life, right. And take those actions naturally you're just going to be feeling better and feeling more positive and when that negativity comes at you which it will you're you're able to be a warrior you know a warrior and fight it away instead of you know letting it inside your mind yeah what i'm seeing when this things happens when people work from home it's almost like you're giving yourself permission to not do what you did before and i think that has to do with your why, right? So can you talk a little bit about that? What's your why? And what is, is it so important to know what you want and what you stand for? Yeah, I mean, I'll first off address the work from home. I mean, my, my, my team joked when I mentioned that we may have to work from home because, you know, they joked and said, this is your worst nightmare coming true. And to some extent it is because I just, you know, I think there's just a lot of distractions, you know, when you are home and I know I'm distracted as well. Uh, you know, that I'm, I'm working, you know, it's, it's lovely working with my wife, but we're sharing uh, an office space. You know, I'm constantly hearing my kids, which, you know, is a blessing because we've had a ton of laughs from hearing them both laugh and cry. They're constantly coming in to give us, you know, hugs and kisses, which is, Adorable, but you know I'm distracted. I can't focus nearly as much as I, I would normally do. At the same time, you know this. Uh, it's you know it's it's tough being home and not being at work and going you know going after the same goals we have and having to pivot. You know, in the way that I'm doing, it, like right now, I'm wearing you know one of my Tommy Bahama shirts. You know, if I showed you my makeshift desk, you know, which is just one of those. Um, those outside tables, I have uh, beach towels on it because whenever I go away from vacation, I'm always wearing Tommy Bahama shirts and I normally am always working on vacation. Uh, So that's kind of the mentality that I put myself in is like, hey, I'm on vacation, but I still need to uh, GSD, right? For those who don't know, GSD means get shit done. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's I constantly use my why because I always tell people if you're if you're comfortable, you're not succeeding, right? Comfort or success is way outside of our comfort zone. That's where it lies, right? We have our comfort zone over here and then we have success over here. Yeah. In order to achieve success, we have to do the things that most people won't do, which are you know getting up at 4 a.m, having a morning routine, you know, instead of uh, binging on Netflix to go and make, you know, you know, 200 different, you know, 200 more phone calls, right? So it's those small steps. So it's constantly getting out of my comfort zone in order to achieve the success that I, I want. In order to get out of that comfort zone, I need a strong why, right? Growing up, I was the poor kid in the class, right? So I had the... the um, what was it? Uh, uh, Payless, you know, um, I forget what the name of the brand was. It was like Pro Wings or something where all my friends had the new Jordans, right? And so I I remember going through garbage cans at golf courses in order to get 
uh, uh, Coca-Cola cans or, you know, soda cans so that we could take them to the recycle bin so that we can get money so we can get food to eat, right? I mean, a lot of people had it a lot worse than we did, but I just remember that I never wanted to have, you know, my kids have to do this. And my, you know, my parents, actually not my parents, my mom made it, you know, enjoyable, as enjoyable as it could be. And, you know, my mom is an exceptional, exceptional woman and one of my best friends today. Um, but, you know, I want to live an exceptional life. Like you mentioned it earlier, we only have one life to live, right? And I want to leave a mark. And at the same time, you know, my, my kids, my wife, you know, I want my wife, you know, her birthday is on Monday, right? I want to be able to buy her nice things on my, on my 40th birthday. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to go or not, but the plan is to go to the Maldives, right? I want to experience all that this world has to offer. Um, I want to be able to spend time with my kids. I don't know. My, my real father may have gone to, you know, five ish of my games, right? Right now I'm able, I'm coaching my son in, you know, little league baseball. Right. And being able to take off like those are the things that are important to me. I have, you know, a vision board, which you've seen, like I want to be my son's best man at his wedding. Right. I want to be my, my daughter to think of me as, you know, daddy's, you know, uh, you know, that she's, she's that I'm her hero. So I want, you know, monetary things. I want experiences. And the, my biggest fear in life, if I'll get vulnerable, is laying on my deathbed and having regrets, right? We all, all of us, and this may be hard to hear, have tremendous potential. Most of us are not gonna attain the potential that we have because we're not willing to do the work, right? And I don't wanna lay on my deathbed and think back and be like, fuck, I, I didn't give it my all. I didn't reach my potential. Right. I'm going to fail along the way and I may not attain the level of success that I want, but it's not going to be from lack of trying and suiting up and showing up. And so I dig that I, whenever I need to get out of my comfort zone so that I can achieve that success, I use those different whys. You know, it might be, you know, being able to buy the diamond necklace for my wife. It may be to make sure that you know, my, I can pay for my kids' college tuition. It may be because, hey, you know, I want a convertible Ferrari one day. You know, it's different things. It just depends on where I'm at, grabbing those whys to propel me forward. Yeah. And uh, I think, like, there's, there's one thing called, like, personal accountability, and there's also having someone keeping you accountable. And I think both are great, but at the end of the day, to take, you need to hold yourself accountable as well for your life, right? And then you get a coach. Yeah, well, listen, you can lie to me. You can lie to your wife. You can lie to your boss. But the fact of the matter is, like, you cannot lie to yourself, yeah. right? So you're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself because you know, right? You know if you're showing up and suiting up, you know if you're hitting your potential, you know if you're just, you know, giving, you know, an excuse, right? You know. So you're gonna be, you know, you're you're gonna have to answer to yourself eventually. And it's and if you're able to 
be honest and be of integrity with yourself, it's going to naturally spill out with happiness and joy. And if you're not able to, and you continue to lie to yourself, you're going to be miserable in my experience. How has this hit you and how do you work with your mind to, to kind of be strong during these times? Yeah. So I, put a mindset that I'm in the middle of a miracle. And I know that there's four things that I can control. I don't think things are changing around me. I perceive things that are changing me. Uh, and that's how I get the most out of this through productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. So what are those four things that I can control? Number one, as you suggest, my mindset. I can, I can control my perspective. Two, I can control my feelings. Uh, three, I can uh, control what I say and what I hear. And this is a very critical one for everyone because mindset is something that is a practice. Feelings, you know, are also a practice to stay in the truth-based consciousness to understand the ego. But we can instantly change what we say and what we hear. And I think a lot of people are saying the wrong things and listening to the wrong things. Uh, and then finally, we can control what we do. Uh, so the aggregate of all four of those create this uh, control that allows me to understand that my environment doesn't always change. It's what I am changing and how I'm changing. And I'm seeing so much productivity, accessibility, and gratitude uh, in these times of acceleration and growth, these times of uncertainty because time is compressed. As you know, when the future, the future is always uncertain, but when the future is compressed, when things are changing quickly within us, uh, we find anxiety, fear, anger, separation, uh, all these different ego-based emotions that create a corrosion to what should be a truly inspiring time to get innovative and creative and positive. Uh, and hopefully more people are taking that approach uh, than the opposite. Love that. And how, how, how has this changed your life day to day? What, what type of routines are you like doing more of now? I know we talked about morning routines. You're a morning person, just like myself. Like, what are you doubling down on right now to be stronger? Great. So I'm looking at strength, health, and happiness and doubling down on strength. Uh, so I'm working out and utilizing my health and my focus on things that will make me tougher to learn more practice of smiling uh, through the struggle. You know, I'm doing the Wim Hof 40-day uh, quarantine challenge. Uh, on the phone, I'm doing a calendar club uh with uh, Jesse Essler and those guys, I'm, uh, modified it to an old man, but I'm doing that as well. But a lot to do with toughness and telephone, um, health and happiness. But you know, moreover, what I've learned is really where I think I've separated myself from others is that I am taking everything knowing that I'm connected to the most powerful source of energy, light, love and lessons. And I'm learning so many valuable lessons uh, through this. One, like you, I used to only do everything in person. And uh, so now I have uh, ascertained lessons of, you know, so much money that I've wasted traveling around the country uh, with cameramen and audio equipment and all types of things where I could be far more efficient and help more people and have more quality content utilizing these virtual uh, tools that I was resistant to. And I'm learning at a voracious level how to utilize these. You can see I got the green screen behind me and a variety of other things I'm learning. Uh, so 
I think if everybody takes the approach that they can control those four things and that they are changing, and here's the problem with change. The only person or people that I've ever met that like change are a wet baby. Everybody else is resistant to it. Yeah. Now that that's pretty pretty cool and pretty true. Uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about like I mean I remember you last time you were on my podcast. You were like go 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 like this is how we do it when you were young, and then you kind of have that shift in your life where you became more humble, more kind. Like how how is this challenging you right now? Like do you do you still have to work on your patience even more during these times? Yeah, so my biggest practice, as you described, is to practice ending fear, right? And so looking and sticking to five different steps that I think would help people, uh, since this is a success-oriented podcast. Number one, I take inventory of my values every day, something I didn't do in the past, uh, especially important when things and time is compressed and uncertainty is compressed and accelerated. So I look at what are my personal values today? my integrity, my character, love, family, health. What are my experiential values? This is a key one because my experience changes every day where they were, my experience was much more similar. There was a lot less change in my experiences uh, day to day as there is today. Uh, and that's why it's important to take inventory of that as well as my giving values, right? So I look and see and take inventory on what value am I gonna provide? How can I be of service and of help? And I will encourage anyone that's depressed or anxious or even suicidal, go ahead. The first step is to go help somebody else. It will immediately make you feel good. Happiness is the best virus in the world. Giving and receiving is the best virus in the world. It's the only virus that can be spread by witnessing it, and it strengthens our immune system. So everybody out there, shed giving and happiness to everyone. Let them witness it. Let's create a most powerful virus that will overcome anything. And then finally, what are my receiving values? And those receiving values... Uh, are very important because I can't give what I don't have. And a lot of people, you know, for me, because I lived through 93, 97, 2001, 2008, I learned all those lessons through that and lost millions of dollars and a lot of friends and other things through that. I was much more prepared for 2020. And now, you know, for me, the receiving values is to forget about the guilt, the ego-based emotion of guilt, receive as much as I can so I can help other people and allow it to come through me with appreciation. Uh, after I take an inventory of my values, I make it a practice to ask a series of questions of how I can provide value and service to others, and also ask a series of questions of, do you know anyone that can help me? Uh, and then I study my calendar, utilizing two different formulas, one being I pay attention to and give intention to the coincidences I won in three areas. One, what I have planned for the day. Two, what I don't have planned for the day, the empty space or white space in the calendar. And then what I have planned for sleep, for regenerative and exponential growth within the subconscious and unconscious, what I have planned in all three of those areas. Uh, and so being a student of my calendar and utilizing a lens, what I call the Meltzer Kaleidoscope, how productive am I with those three areas of time? How accessible, not only accessible to others, but how am I accessing what I want and how grateful? What is that mindset of seeing the glasses half full, looking for the light, the love and the lessons and everything, learning to love everything, understanding that I'm the one that's changing, not anything else. I'm the one that's changing and I should rejoice in the acceleration and growth. After I'm a student in my calendar, I have a do it now philosophy. 
where I ask myself in these compressed times, to compressed times of uncertainty, can I do it now? And if I can do it now, I do it now. That's because 100% of things that you do now get done. And what's happening is the people that get shit done right now, they're going to be far ahead of those people just starting off and far catching up to those people that don't do things now. If you can't do them now, which is understandable, I would suggest that you make a list, a repository, a bank, some sort of system to collect the things that you can't do now and prioritize them by what's most important first and then study those things in your calendar, make a list and knock those things off as well when you do have the appropriate manner of time. Finally, the last practice that I utilize, I've mentioned probably three times already, every day I'm practicing ending fear. I have fear in my life like anyone else. I have the need to be right, offended, separate, guilty, anxious, frustrated, inferior, superior, separate. All of these different anxieties I have every day and I'm practicing to end them and to go back to center into my most productive, accessible, and gracious mindset. Tell me what happened that time when you decided, I'm going to start addicted to success. What was it that really made that shift? Yeah, great question. So this is almost 10 years ago. So I started Addicted to Success April 10th, 2010, April 11th, 2010. So almost 10 years. I was sitting in the room with a guy by the name of Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, he challenged me for the first time in my life to cast a vision for success. And I got really clear, like crystal clear on what it is that I valued most which was business, self-development, contribution, teaching, and travel. I was like, well, what kind of business or brand would I build in order to be able to live in those values as often as possible? And so I started piecing some things together and, and I started asking myself questions of, what would my life look like? How would I act? How would I feel? Who would I be surrounded by? What distractions would I remove if I was to be living as the ultimate version of me 10 years from now, but today? Yeah which is really a great question to ask yourself, how do we do this, you know, and, and, and getting into a space of not just clarity, but focus, knowing what to focus on now. And the thing I love about this whole vision process is that I got really intentional in my life. And that's why I've been successful in what I do, because I got intentional, I got clear on how to articulate the vision that I held in my mind to the world so that the right people could start showing up and supporting me and executing this vision. So I didn't just create Addicted to Success by myself. My community, my movement created it with me too. So that's why. That's why I was successful in it. That's, I just love sharing self-development yeah. content. I love speaking, doing transformational coaching live in the room, supporting people in breaking through their limitations, you know, their BS stories that they keep telling themselves as to why they can't achieve their dreams. Yeah. All of that is there. And uh yeah, I just feel so blessed to, to be able to do that in, in the capacity of, you know, like you said, hundreds of millions of people, you know, millions of podcast plays and all that. That's great. What I really, truly love is seeing somebody shift in that moment, you know, when they believe something for so long that they weren't worth it or they're not good enough. Yeah. And then they realize that, that that was just a story that they made up and they made some little event mean something that it didn't really mean and that they've been carrying that for most of their life. And now they get to start a new day with a blank canvas as a new launching pad for their dreams. And, you know, the time we're in right now with this whole coronavirus and everything that's going on, this is your new launching pad. Yeah. Jump out of it, like get into the game and, and look at the, I always say to my friends that are sharing with me all these things, I go, cool, where's the silver lining? They go, oh, well, this is what it is. I'm like, cool, start surfing that silver lining yeah. because there's something there. There's an opportunity for you here right now.
Yeah, I agree. And I want to go back to like you you love that transformation in other people, but can you just share that transformation within yourself? What was that pain or drive that made you go after this? Yeah, I would say that you know, before I custom my vision and I was in sales and then I created addicted to success, I was in the music industry and it was this passion that I had for so many years. And then when I got into the music industry, did really well with it. You know, I was around major label artists. We had an awesome deal. I was living in Miami, Florida, then LA and working with even huge artists that are out today. I just remember feeling this feeling of emptiness and the emptiness was I, I was expecting to feel a certain way. And then when I wasn't feeling it anymore, I felt like I was coming up short. And the truth was that I was doing things for the approval of others. I was saying yes to things I really wanted to say no to. And I was out of alignment. And so there's a difference between desperation and inspiration. And I really believe that self-development was the thing I turned to that really inspired me from within. That's when I started to get truly aligned with my values. Before that, I was coming from a place of desperation, doing things for significance, you know, and that's always a short-lived thing, especially if we were set out here to live a life of meaning and fulfillment. So I found more meaning in what it was because I was able to contribute at a higher level. And so... I think a lot of people are stuck on that. A lot of people are coming from desperation and not inspiration. And if I can show them there's a way to do this where you are aligned with your values, where you are inspired from within, where you are vision driven, where the limiting stories no longer have to take rule of your life that you get to consciously choose because we also get to choose where we live emotionally each and every day. It's just a lot of people don't have the tools to do it. So that's why I'm set out in this hell bent mission to teach people the tools. Yeah. And to show them and to reveal to them the parts of themselves that they don't know are blocking them and stopping them from realizing that they're already there, that their dreams are already right here in front of them. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit about, about wounds and, and get vulnerable. Can you share, like, what was the worst day of your life and how did it change you as a human being? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. So I don't know if I could say it's the worst day because... I want to acknowledge the fact that there's so many blessings that have come from it that I can no longer look at it like it's a, it's the worst day. There's just so much there. That's so amazing. Uh, and, and like so many lessons that have come from it, but five years ago I was married. Okay. And four months in, I, I caught my wife at the time having an affair and what it did was it really challenged me because it shattered my identity in that moment. That's what I made it mean is like, I don't know who I am anymore because I had so much tied up in that relationship. And obviously like rightfully so, if anyone gets married, you think that this is it, yeah. you know, and then there was this thing that caught me by the blind side. And so, you know, I thought I was, you know, Mr. Success, Mr. Successful relationship, friendships, business, lifestyle and all that. And then when that aspect went, I was like, what am I going to do with myself? Yeah. So I had to really work through this forgiveness process. And uh, actually her and I can talk now. We're, we're in a place where we can talk with each other and there's no like resentment or, you know, hatred or jealousy or anger or anything like that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, good work that's gone around it. Uh, and so what it taught me was that my family are absolutely amazing. My friends are incredible. It just brought me closer to my friends and family. Yeah. Um, it taught me how to love and forgive. It taught me how to be compassionate towards others. It taught me about um, 
sitting down and taking ownership. I had to sit down and go, okay, how did I play my part in this experience too? Instead of just saying, you know, when it could have been so easy to say it's her, 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 right? And so that was something that was huge for me. And there's just so many blessings from that because I teach so many people and coach so many people that are experiencing this right now in their life. And I get to be the space with them, you know, and I get to support them in it. And there's just so many blessings from it. So it seemed like a big thing at the time, as most things do. And then there's just so much that can come from it. That's why this whole coronavirus situation, COVID, it's like for some people, it seems like the biggest thing, the worst thing, you know, the darkest time of their life, right? But I'm going to tell you this, the human soul can endure so much, so much. Like there's so much potential that exists within you and around you. And we need to get into the practice of tapping into that space. And that's what I did was I got into the practice of it. And that's why when something like this happens now, Corona and COVID, like I'm not, I'm not phased. Like in, in, like I get it. Like I get that there's some struggle. I totally get that in my own personal life. I look at it like, this is my opportunity to step in because I know that I have that certainty. I know that I have that, that mental strength that I know that people are looking for a way to feel supported that don't, that haven't learned the tools. And I now get to teach the tools. I spoke to over a thousand people last night, 1200 people live on a live stream to, to work through this and how to get to a place to create your vision now and how to remove your fears before you step into your vision. I taught three days straight in a mastermind before that we had a 96% retention rate, like 96% of people stayed on because they wanted to learn the tools. I was teaching exercises on procrastination and overcoming it, how to identify the limiting stories, how to overcome that, how to transform their pain into power, how to get clear on their next 90 days so they're empowered and not, not distracted by the negative news in the media and, and everybody trying to bring them down that are in that space too. So like this is what happens is I, I look at like, my mom said this to me when I was going through what I was going through five years ago. She said, your true character rises when you're facing the storm. Yeah. And she said, I'm proud of you and the way you showed up. And for me, it just reinforced that whenever there's a painful moment or a struggle, it's your opportunity to see how much work have you really done? Because yeah. it's easy to say, I read the self-development books. It's easy to say, I listen to the podcast. But when the real stuff shows up, how much work have you really truly done? Do you lose your center? Do you come outside yourself and behave in a way that you're not proud of? Or do you stand strong at it and look at it as an opportunity to challenge your true identity and to grow? No, I agree with you. And I mean, especially for there's so many people out there that like we're saying, like I, for example, I'm telling you I'm strong. My mindset is fucking perfect. And then things happen. And now you get to test yourself. Like, how do you show up? And it's yeah. a different, yeah. different story, right? <laughs> uh, amen to that. Yeah. It's, it's, I welcome it. I welcome the challenge. Like when I think about the pinnacle moments in my life and when I look at my students and people that I coach and when we have these breakthrough sessions at our events, it's always that moment that people are most avoiding because they just know that there's pain there. Yeah. And so much can come from that pain when you accept the fact that you can't deny anymore that there's something here that exists that you've been hiding from avoiding and pushing and sweeping under the rug and we get to go there when you go there you get to accept it and in that process you get to transform it yeah there's so many gifts in it there's so many gifts like i i encourage it like when i find out that there's like something that i'm like not noticing if someone points out i'm like awesome let's go there let's do it because every time i've done it 
I've just increased my own inner value. I've increased my certainty. I've increased my influence. Yeah. I've in, increased my contribution on the back end as a new message I get to share and a new teaching I get to teach. It's just so much in there that we get to unpack. And talking about mindset and confidence, it seems like you were uh, early on very confident and I studied success and I remember uh, studying you uh, when I was watching Embedded before the Max Holloway fight and you were so calm and you were just, I, I watched you and I, because I watch all the fighters on all these interviews and the walk-ins and I tried to look them in the eye and kind of analyze and I, I could see this guy, he's, he's going to win. Uh, so wh where, where, did, where does that mindset and confidence comes from? Uh, it's a, this is a, a tricky one. I think it's always, like I wouldn't say I think, I'm pretty sure it's from day one as a competitor. I've always, so you know when people say you're, you know, some people are just bred different as if it's built in them. I believe that. I believe that you are bred, you know, when it comes to hard work and, you know, mind, mind state and, and all things like that. I believe that there might be something in you that's a little bit different, but again, you need to still work to that. So if it is something like, you know, having that extra heart, that's going to make you want to do more. But then from you continuously pushing yourself because of that, or again, in my, as you're saying with my mindset, I'm always keeping myself composed. I want to be where I'm I feel is best. Yes, yeah? so I'll put myself in a position that will, that will, uh, you know, make me the best I can be. So whether it's in an interview, whether it's when I'm about to fire, me being composed, me relaxing myself, is where I can, you know, properly pay attention and do what what needs to be done. I've done that from day one. Always try to compose myself. So I put myself where now that's just normal. All the I like, I, if you've ever watched uh, my interviews, I always say like. I just feel so normal all year, all year round. No matter, I won the title. I've got a video that I'm actually going to be putting up in the next couple of days. It's me holding the belt and I'm looking at it and I'm like, like, oh no, someone goes, oh yeah, here's the belt for the photo. I'm like, oh yeah, I already, like this was straight after my fight. I completely forgot that I just won the world title. I'm like, oh yeah, the, you know, the bloody world title. <laughs> so I chuck that on. I mean, like someone goes, oh, how's that going to look on your wall? I mean, I need to let it properly sink in. I'm like, wake up. You're the bloody champ. You know what I mean? It's, it's weird. It's, it's a, it's something that I think I'm so used to keep myself level-headed, so composed that that's, you know, I've done that from day one and now that's how I am. So I walk out to these fights complete, completely focused, completely no, uh, normal, I guess you could say, as in composed, I guess, ready for to do whatever needs to be done. And I think that does separate me from some people because I see people backstage uh, and get, I guess if you're watching a lot of embedded or you watch a lot of backstage stuff, you'll see people put the headphones on like this, sitting there in the corner, amping themselves up. You know, they even get the frown going and, and you know, really put themselves in a position that they're not used to, I believe, you know, and I'm the type of person that I don't want to get there. I want to get, I want to be able to know exactly what I'm doing while I'm walking to the cage, while I'm in there. I've got a game plan to stick to. I want to see these punches he's thrown. I want to see what he's setting up. So I've always just kept myself so composed. And I just think from day one, since I first started competing, from me trying to keep myself that, that way, I believe that that's what's made me uh, who I am today and made me that composed. Uh, you know, I guess you would, you would say confident because I know I'm going to stick to a game plan. I know my team believe in me. I believe in myself. And I know I'm going to do what 
what we think is going to get me that win. So that's why I'm so confident. I know I'm going to go and do what needs to be done. Can you just go back to your headspace? Yep. Like a couple of days before the fight, you're injured and now you're so close of fulfilling a dream and uh, you need the money. This is important. This is a step forward. What do you do? Like, how do you process that and still move forward and, and do such a great performance? It's just, again, I need to do whatever needs to be done to win. And that's why me keeping myself composed, me sticking to a game plan, you know, all the, the even when it comes back to being in the gym. So when I busted my rib, that was before the Darren Elkins fight. That that one was uh, not not the Max Holloway fight. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, when you ask that that question, as in, you know, you know what makes you want to do it? Like even in the gym, the fact that I need to win. So what do I need to do to win? Every day I'm in the gym, I need to push myself. I need to, I need to put my, myself in a position to come fight time. I'm the best version of myself that can be that, that's going to give me the most chance of winning. Then me being composed, I need to stay composed because that could, you know, every little bit counts. Me making weight easier, you know, you know, instead of me doing a big weight cut and then maybe feeling funny the next day. You know, all these little things that you want to be the best version of yourself. And to do that, there's going to be a lot of hard work in camp a lot of hard work during the fight, a lot of focus, a lot of everything. And all these little things is, you know, all these little one percenters that can really help you get reach that goal. And that's why, that's what helps me training as well. A lot of people ask me, you know, man, watching, because I, you know, I pride myself for being a hard worker. Anyone that sees me in the gym knows I'm always pushing myself. It hurts. It hurts to push yourself. It hurts to be grinding like that. But I'm so used to that now because I've done it my whole life. But not just that. I know if I'm so fit, I know if I'm so ready that, you know, come fight time, that's one less worry I need to worry about. I'm fit enough. I don't need to worry about gassing now. So, so I, I could just worry about my game plan. You know what I mean? Everything uh, revolves around being the best version of myself. And that goes back from weight cutting, making sure that goes right, training, in them jujitsu classes that I'm doing, understanding these, you know, these movements and, you know, not just going, oh, I'm tired, I'm just going to go through the motion. No, I still want to learn. I want to know why that move is going to help me. What are the mechanics behind that? You know, in this strike, you know, I don't want to just be like, oh, this is a good combo. All right, why does that combo work? Oh, because this is this. You know, and as I've said uh, many times, is you show me one, one combo and show me why it works, the mechanics, and and the you know the the principles of it can show me so many different things whether it is more combos or even the principles in life the principles in everything you know what I mean I believe that there's so much you can learn there's reasons why that's so effective I want to understand them so I can use them in so many different ways I love that and and Alex how how far if there was an energy bar uh, right now from one to a hundred percent how far do you feel that you are developed? How how much it, is it left for you to develop as a fighter? Ah, uh, yes, man, it's 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 going to keep going. So for me to say, the beauty of it right now, from the knowledge we have, I'm starting to get close. I believe I am close. But the the beauty of mixed martial arts or a lot of things and the knowledge, and then there, there's so many ways where it's weight cut science or or, uh, you know, understanding the game, everything's evolving all the time. So I might feel like I'm getting close to the end, but then the game evolves. I evolve with it. 
and this just keeps going and and that's how we look at it the camps that we do we don't we don't just again we don't just go for the the motion there's there's you know people look at me and they see us do a lot of fakes and faints and you can look at that as oh yeah you're just trying to draw a reaction or whatever it is but we go so much deeper than that we use them for so many different things and, and like you know I, I want people to fight my fight. So me being so composed, I get them fighting my fight. So that's why I love to be, uh, you know, as you said with Bruce Lee, I want to be as a composed and ready. So all my movements, I, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. And I'm getting them following me, you know, whether it's them adjusting because it's natural instinct, they don't even know. And I'm using that against them. You know, these, that's how deep we go. That is literally how deep we go. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, you know what I mean. So, but you get what I mean. So, there's it goes so much deeper than just being able to throw big punches, throw big kicks. You know, there's mechanics behind it. There's a uh, you know camouflage movements. There's everything, there's, and that's I believe. Uh, you know, we go deeper than most because I believe we're ahead of the game with the knowledge that's out there. We're right up there. I believe that, but there's going to be a time where it starts to go again. Like it's the game's going to evolve. We are looking. We are looking to see what, what else works. We will evolve with it. So there's no real 100. That's what I'm trying to get at. That 100 is going to keep moving further because the game's evolving and I'm just going to keep moving with it. So that, that's actually – I love it. I love that. So that's, that's motivating. You know? that, that, that's, that's motivating to know that. That's, you know, yeah. I believe that right now I, I try and tell everyone, oh, we're ahead of the game. But the beauty thing is, is like, oh, yeah, this is the, the best version of myself. Nah. Because we're going to find new things or people will find new things. Someone's going to show us something that we think, oh, wow, that worked because of this, this, this. Oh, cool. That's something we could use. Yeah, we level up again. So it's cool. How do we relieve the pressure that most of us go with? Like a lot of people, they have these amazing dreams, but it's also a backpack full of rocks and like how how do we how do we get rid of that to to be free and to to enjoy the pursuit instead of just heading I gotta do this and if I don't uh, I'm not gonna be happy and when you finally reach there you you've sacrificed so much and you're not even happy so like how can we talk about that Yeah, that's a great thing and I I love that metaphor that image of a backpack full of rocks. So what we have to do is unpack it. We have to unpack it. We have to, one by one, throw the rocks out. And this is what I think is the missing secret to success. You know, I was in the movie The Secret, and whether people saw it or not, I would encourage them to see it. And whether I'm in it or not, it doesn't matter. It's still a great movie. But a lot of people criticized it by saying it didn't talk enough about action or clearing or some of the things you need to do to be successful. Um, I am championing the idea that you have to get clear. The law of attraction, mind power, all the things we know about success, success principles from Napoleon Hill and Claude Bristol and all of the success classic literature that's out there is all true. But the thing that I found was missing, which I call the missing secret, is the idea of getting clear. Now, what are we getting clear of? When we want to do something, we have an intention. I want to win a world medal in karate. I want to be a singer-songwriter. I want to open my own business and increase it by 50%. I want to be a best-selling author. I don't care. We all have these intentions. But what we don't look at is what I call counter-intentions, which, to use your image, are like rocks. We're carrying rocks. For example, one of my most recent books is called Money Loves Speed. 
And in Money Loves Speed, I said one of the, the beliefs that virtually everybody has, including the people watching this right now, is a universal unconscious belief. And until we unpack that rock, we're going to find it difficult to be successful with money. And so let me explain this. Let me unpack this, if you will, and take the rock and throw it away. The, uh, first of all, we all want money. You want money. I want money. And we probably want it for valid reasons. We want to take care of our family and friends. We want to pay our bills. Maybe we have goals that we want to achieve and money helps us along the way to achieve them. We have positive reasons, great intention. However, if we unconsciously think money's bad or money corrupts or money is evil, we will sabotage ourselves and not even know it. The biggest belief, and believe me, I've traveled the world. I've spoken in Russia. I've spoken in the Ukraine and Poland and Italy, Bermuda, Canada. I mean, countries that I didn't even know existed when I was growing up. I've spoken there. They all have the same belief. I was in Iran in December. They have the same belief. And that belief is money is the root of all. Everybody just said evil. So let's stop and unpack this a little bit more. If you want money for a great reason, you got to pay your bills for one thing. You want the internet access. You got to pay the internet or the electricity, utility, whatever it happens to be is a simple example. Positive reason for money. But if you think money's evil, you will block your attempts to get money. You'll blame it on the economy. You'll blame it on a virus, the pandemic. Oh, I can't make any money right now. Uh, you blame it on the president, you blame it on the economy, you blame it on chaos, you blame it on, you blame, blame, you push out and look at other people and not realize your own mindset is blocking the money. So in my book, Money Loves Speed, what I do is explain it. And I want to explain it for your people so that they understand and can be free of this. Money is the root of all evil is a clip of a longer statement from biblical literature. And first of all, we don't actually know what was said 5,000 years ago because it was written down after the fact that it was interpreted, reinterpreted, paraphrased, brought into modern times. So it's lost in translation. But the longer phrase is actually the love of money is the root of all evil. That's the longer phrase. So let's look at that. The successful wealthy people who are happy healthy, successful, well-adjusted, don't love money. They don't love money. They appreciate money. They leverage money. They use money. In my book, I have a quote from Arnold Patton, and he said, the sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. So, Peter, you can see by unpacking just that one belief we're throwing a rock out of the backpack that we've been carrying around. So we need to look at the rocks, which are beliefs. They're the negative beliefs. They're the limiting beliefs. For example, I'm on a roll here, so I'm going to keep talking. Unless you interrupt me or tell me to shut up. You're doing great. I'm at the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to be 67. So about seven years ago, it was on my bucket list to be a musician. I wanted to be a singer-songwriter. I had no music experience, no musical education, didn't sing in the shower, didn't sing in karaoke, didn't sing behind the wheel of the car. So I had to learn everything from scratch. So at the age of 60, bucket list, I want to be a musician. I want to write songs, sing songs, record songs. First thing to happen, terror. Terror. Who the hell am I to learn how to do all of this stuff at age 60? Well, that's a belief. That was one of the rocks in my backpack. 
And then I, I looked at things like, well, I can't sing. I've never been able to sing. Another rock in my backpack. And so I had to look at every one of those rocks one by one, and there's enough tools that I know and I teach, and you would know as well, that we can find the beliefs and take them out. As I did that seven years ago, I unpacked the backpack that was holding me down, freed me. And Peter, I've recorded 15 albums. I have 15 albums. I'm in Rolling Stone magazine. My band is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Several of my songs were nominated for the Posse Award, which is the Grammys of positive music. I went and studied with Melissa Etheridge, a rock icon, in her house. I have had songwriting lessons with some of the greatest songwriters. I'm not, none of this is to brag. All of this is to say, look, I was age 60. I wanted to be a musician. Backpack on back of me almost stopped me because I was almost listening to the rocks. But as I unpacked the rocks and threw them away one by one, freedom. And I've actually, I've sung on stage. I've sung on, I've played on ABC TV. <laughs> I could go on. So this is the beauty. Uh, and you know this all so well, but I, I'm just sharing the enthusiasm. And the key point, the missing secret is getting clear. What's getting clear? Use your metaphor, get rid of the rocks so you can do what you really want to do. The mind is such an amazing thing. And I want to talk about visualization. Okay. So as an athlete, I visualize myself winning. I visualize myself yes. going into that fight, seeing everything. But as a martial artist, I do something that you spoke about called negative visualization, right? Martial artists, we meditate upon death. We med meditate on on the things in our life that is also uh, negative in order to see what we have. And I love when you spoke about that. So can you just share like, what is negative visualization and, and why should we even do something like that? Uh, I love that you did your homework. I do so many interviews where people don't have a clue what I'm doing outside of the very superficial. He was in The Secret and he's written a bunch of books. You've obviously listened to a few interviews, done your research, done your legwork, and so you're asking me very informed, wise questions. So the first thing I want to do is just acknowledge you. I'm very impressed with you and what you're doing, plus you're helping a lot of people, and I'm flattered that I'm here, and I feel grateful at the same time. So negative visualization is a technique from ancient Stoicism, and the last year and a half have probably been the worst of my entire life. Uh, going through a divorce, still am at this point. Uh, my father died about a year ago this time. I have a younger family member who attempted suicide. Um, of course, we have the pandemic, we have the chaos, we have the violence in the streets, we have the whole world in upheaval, which for me as a public speaker means all of my travels are canceled, all of my major income is canceled, all of my speaking engagements are canceled. Some of the, the best things I do and the most influential things I do are canceled. I'm also in a new relationship who quickly, after we got together, developed a near-death disease and is still recovering from it at this point. So why am I telling you all this? I looked for help. I looked for anything to help get me through the day because some of these days have been pretty damn rough. And stoicism came to the rescue. And stoicism is about surviving and thriving. Stoicism is about your mindset as you go through experiences like what I've been going through or what everybody's going through right now in the world with the pandemic still in place as we make this uh, interview. 
And the Stoics, in a sense, kind of say, we told you so, meaning there's always going to be rough rides in life. There's always going to be rough roads. The pandemic we're in right now, we had one 100 years ago. Marcus Aurelius, who's the poster boy for Stoicism, lived through a 10-year pandemic. Michael D. Montaigne, who's the father of the American essay in, the, in France, I think in the 1500s, went through a plague. I mean, none of these things are actually new. It's new to us because we're going through it. But the Stoics look at us and they go, look, we kind of told you these things could come about. And so they have a negative visualization to help us prepare all of the people who focus on just the secret or just feeling good or just the law of attraction or just on what they want, along the way, they run into a block, they run into a snag, things don't seem to go as well as they pursue their goal of success, and they give up. They give up because a part of them wasn't aware that reality is going to throw something at you along the way. And the something that's throwing at you isn't necessarily bad. It, that, too, comes from Stoicism. It's like, how do you look at it? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? You have choice. So the negative visualization is to help us prepare. My most vivid example of this is when I decided that I was going to sing on stage for the first time in my life, I swear to God, I was terrified. My band is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have 60 years experience. They're professionals. They do it for a living. I do not. Like I had said before, I never sang anywhere in public. For me to sing with a seasoned professional band and be the lead singer on stage in front of an audience terrified me. <laughs> and people would say, how are you terrified? You public speak all the time. Public speaking and public singing are two different things. <laughs> I remember Kevin Bacon, the, the famous actor, who's also a singer-songwriter. He said, people don't realize that when you go to sing, in his words, he said, it's fucking terrifying. That's Kevin Bacon, who's in front of people, in front of the camera, in front of the screen all the time. So to prepare myself, I took some online classes with Usher. And people say I shouldn't say this, but I didn't even know who Usher was. <laughs> He's a world-famous musician. I had no idea. All I knew was he had a, an online class, a master class on performing. I thought, oh, yeah, this is on performing. I don't know who the hell a guy is. Well, it was a turning point. He was actually wonderful. He gave so much information, and one of them was along the lines of a negative visualization. And I still remember, I prepped for two months before I actually did my singing debut with my band live on stage in Austin. And I remember the moment I'm watching Usher, and he said, you're going to do everything right. You're going to practice. You're going to memorize your songs. You're going to visualize your success. You're going to do everything. You're going to dress right. You're going to be fit. You're going to do everything that you know to do. And he says, the night of the performance, something's got to go wrong. He said, something's got to go wrong. He says, I don't know what it is, but something's going to go wrong. And you might as well expect it. You might, might as well prepare for it. You might as well visualize it as a kind of a negative visualization. Why? So it doesn't stop you. And I always remembered that. He talked about going on stage and he was going to perform singing and dancing for two hours. And he came out, he stumbled, and he broke two ribs. He kept going anyway. The show must go on. But he broke two freaking ribs. <clears throat> so the night of my performance, 
Mics didn't work. Weather was bad. Friends who said they were going to show up didn't show up. Uh, songs that I had memorized, I couldn't remember all my songs. There were things that went bad. But because I had done the negative visualization, I didn't crumble. I didn't fold. I didn't run home crying. I didn't stop the show. I delivered. And at the end of my performance, I got a standing ovation. Negative visualization is often the missing secret to the happy-go-lucky, goody-two-shoes of the New Age movement, where they only want to focus on butterflies and bunny rabbits. But there's also tigers and lions and rhinos out there. And it should be part of our preparation for success is to realize we should be aware that a rhino could show up at any point. And if one does, what are we going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm running that way. You know, have it in advance. So as the Stoics say, you won't be surprised. It's like, oh, I knew something was coming. Ah, there it is. Then handle it and move on. Yeah, I love that. And uh, Joe, can we talk heart to heart? You know, you've, <laughs> yeah, of had course. All, you've had all these challenges the last year. And you're this guy that are helping other people. How do you deal with that in your own life when you are supposed to have all the answers, quote unquote, but you're being challenged yourself? Peter, you're good. That's a, that's a wonderful question. Admittedly, the last year and a half have been a deep, hard struggle. The beginning of it, when I filed for divorce, which I thought would be easy and effortless because I was willing to give away the farm, um, no kids, I wasn't struggling, resisting, so I thought it would be an easy overnight thing. It's turned out to be a tragedy. It's turned out to be surreal in a way I can't even understand. And so in the early days of all that, oh, was that ever tough? I would walk the streets smoking a cigar, kind of talking to the universe, going, "What? how do I handle this? How do I get through this? Those were frickin' hard, dark nights. So I would go back to my tried and true methods, the very things I teach about and talk about and write about. For example, I'm wearing a shirt that says, I love you, I'm sorry. There's four key phrases on it. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And the shirt is reflecting a Hawaiian healing tradition called Ho'oponopono. And I've written about Ho'oponopono in two books, Zero Limits, and 10 years later, I wrote At Zero. And it's a kind of a prayer that you use to get clear of the rocks that are behind you. And when I was walking the streets, smoking cigars and feeling miserable, I was carrying a lot of rocks, guilt rocks, resentment rocks, grief rocks deservingness rocks, self-esteem rocks. I mean, there was all kind of rocks in my backpack. And so I would use, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, as a kind of a prayer using the whole Ho'oponopono technique to help me get through the day. And I cannot tell you with honesty that this was not an overnight success. I still struggle some every day now. But as I mentioned earlier, I reached. It's like, where is, what can help me? I found stoicism, which I never really looked at before in my life, because I thought the stoics were all about being robots, no feelings at all, just logical. And that's not true. They uh, own their feelings. They just don't want to be controlled by their feelings. And I thought, well, that was very useful to me. And there was a lot of statements. There's one from Marcus Aurelius. In fact, it's on my wall over there. And it basically says, if you can endure it, then endure it. Stop complaining. 
and I would stop and say, okay, this is a fucking miserable experience in my life. I mean, this is wrong, ugly. Can I endure it? Yeah. I don't want to, but can I? Yes. Well, if you can, then buck up and endure it. That would get me through on days. And then I would do the whole ponopono virtually all the time. And I'm not adverse to asking for help. I think it's one of the secrets to success. I have one counselor that has been with me since 1985. She knew me when I was absolutely broke, unpublished, and unknown. And she, it's Mandy Evans. Mandy Evans is still around. I still call her the original miracles coach. And she helped me back in those unknown struggle days in 1985 and on. And as needed to this moment. And I would call for help. I would say, I'm having trouble unpacking my rocks, to continue with our metaphor. And she would help me. But I also did other things. I would read books by different people. I'm obviously a book freak, and I'd always look for books for answers. But I'd read a book by an authority. And if I was really impressed with him, I'd find the author and hire him and say, help me get through this. So... I also played what's going to, it's going to sound stupid, I guess, or childish, but I would play the glad game, which is the game, the game from Pollyanna. Pollyanna is the famous children's book. It came out in 1913. There's been numerous movies made from Mary Pickford in the silent movies to Walt Disney did one. There's been TV shows. At the core of Pollyanna is this little orphan girl who was taught by her poor father to look for the good in every person, and in every moment. And I would play the glad game. I actually even wrote a song called The Glad Game. It's on, I think, my last album called The Great Something. And I would, I would play the game. I would go, there's good here somewhere. And I admit, sometimes it took more than a minute to find it. But I would look for the good at every person and every moment. And the other thing I would focus on, which is the extension of The Glad Game, is gratitude. I still believe that gratitude is the single most powerful thing we can do to transform ourselves. Anybody can do it, any moment, any situation, costs nothing. It's a matter of taking a breath and looking around and going, okay, I can be grateful and find anything around you. It can be a pen, <clears throat> your coffee, your phone, the internet, lights, I mean, anything. And you start talking about why you're grateful for that. And as you start to feel grateful, it'll expand through your being and you'll lift yourself up. And I found doing that also helped me. So there's probably other things I'm forgetting, but the, the raw truth is it's been a struggle, but I also know, this, I know the sun will rise again. You know, the sun always rises. I don't care what everybody's going through. And I'm, we're all going through something. I wrote a song called Everybody's Going Through Something. We all are. And I don't care what it is. Every storm ends at some point. Every rain stops at some point. The sun always comes up every morning. We just remember that this too will pass. We can do it. Me too. <laughs>